welcome to another episode of the Daily Screening Podcast. My name, as always, is Daily. Uh, we do not have my typical partner in crime this week, uh, Bart Devin. He's he's out for week number two, that lazy son of a bitch. Uh, so uh, instead we have uh, my lovely wife and certified film scholar, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Hello. Yeah, see, you asked for that introduction. I did not ask for that You're getting it now. Now I, you're going to get I it. Said, I, said, I said she deserved the introduction. It's and true. it was a way to provide her with a title that, you know, Bart always gets. It's true. So, she's she, know, she's, she earned, she's she earned it. She needs a title, too. No, she's earned it. Uh you, uh, Jeff Schwartz, joining us this week. Uh, you get to be, I suppose, uh, my partner in artificially intelligent crime, which is not to say your intelligence um, is less than, but <laughs> maybe cybernetic, cybernetic crime. crime. I can get, I can get on board with that. Uh, Turing-related crime, perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as you may have gleaned, uh, this week we are in fact talking about Ex Machina, the directorial debut of Mr. Alex Garland, who wrote uh, Twenty Eight Days Later and The Beach and uh, Sunshine. Sunshine. Uh, and, and so many other things. Um, as a novelist. Indeed. Yeah, he does started as a novelist, indeed. Um, so uh, this is, uh, you know, if you probably should have seen the movie at this point. But, you know, we've got a couple of guys out in the woods testing a robot to see if they're if it's artificially intelligent. Uh, you know, I think it's funny that they bring in the Turing test very early on, considering, mm-hmm. you know, this is just a couple months after uh, Imitation Game came out, so... Which is a pure coincidence. Yeah, exactly. But... Absolutely coincidental. But, you know, Turing is sort of right, and they no, mentioned the Turing test a little well bit. It works well for them. Yeah, exactly. It works know, to their advantage. They, there doesn't need to be the exposition you might need if, uh, if exactly. the Imitation Game didn't just come out. And I actually really like that moment where uh, Oscar Isaac asks Donald Gleeson, like, oh, do you... Are you familiar with the Turing test? And as mm-hmm. soon as he says that, like... His eyes kind of light up. Light he, like up. he immediately yeah. knows why he's there. It's like, yes. oh great! And it's like that 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 moment kind of works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so let's let's. But we saw this movie separately. Indeed, Jamie we were... and I saw this a few days ago, and then... and I saw it yesterday with our our friend Matthew. Indeed, the... and we both this saw the AMC. Of... Yeah, but which, which I have a story to tell. Oh, I can't that. wait! I can't but, wait! Our audience yeah. was remarkably well behaved. We were technically like an advanced screening because uh, we saw it Thursday and it came out Friday. Yeah, uh, but our, our audience was remarkably well behaved. I thought. Well, my my story, which isn't really a story, but more of just like a, a marveling, like I'm marveling at this that this happened, was that when we went, we were um, at the AMC, and there were um, about six or seven guys who came in all at once, and they are the like the archetype, the platonic ideal of dude bros. Like they were fucking Oscar Isaac if that's he amazing. wasn't a genius yeah, in this amazing. movie. And they came in, they're like, oh, fuck, man, and they were really loud, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. And, of course, they sat right in front of us. Oh, of course. So, and there was, like, not that many people in the theater when we were Did you also have an like, elderly couple sitting behind you asking questions throughout the whole no, movie? No, I'm assuming by Why your implication. Why is her face stuck on like that? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so I was terribly nervous that this was going to be a disaster, because I knew it was going to be a cerebral movie, and yeah. it was going to, you know, not yeah. a lot of action. It was going to be, No, Rebels you know, in the Quiet Moment. Rebels yeah. in the quiet months. I'm like, this is going to be a disaster. And I almost turned to Matthew. I'm like, should we move? Like, you know, what? <laughs> what are we going to do here? And I, I just, I wimped out and said, you know, I didn't. And we didn't we'll stay in. But, and I think this is absolutely to the movie's credit. It held their attention. And the only moment when they were fucking being dude broy, and unfortunately, I'll never forget this, is <laughs> when when Ava says in one of the first interviews with Nathan, "I have something to show you." And one of the dude bros turns to the other dude bro and says, Robot vagina. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I rewatch this movie, which I plan to do at some point, 
I'll never not be able to think robot vagina yeah, at that yeah, line. Which exactly. is unfortunate because that is a, you know, it's a kind of moving scene because it's yeah, she puts on clothes. Puts on the clothes. Yeah, that's a great a character scene for her. Yeah, absolutely. so unfortunately that was the moment that was spoiled for well, me. Well, I guess that's but, how you know that those guys are like in tune with Oscar Isaac's character because yeah. he literally has the whole monologue about how it's a fuckable robot. Yes, like, exactly. holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that is their chief concern. Can I, can I fuck this robot? Can I you fuck know? this robot? But... Otherwise, it absolutely held their attention, which I think is so incredible in a way because it is not a movie that relies on action scenes no. or, or histrionics in any way. Like, it's a very, you know, again, yeah. very cerebral movie. It's a, lot a of movie dialogue. that is structured around seven conversations between yeah. two people in separate glass rooms. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and talking about very philosophical things. Like, that was some of my notes, like, were about the, the story of the black and white room. Yep, like, Mary the, the black that they, and white room, yeah. Like, that they bring that kind of a, you know concept in is very interesting in that it held their attention sure. they were not restless they didn't you know like they were in it so i think that's it's a credit to the movie for yeah. sure uh film scholar what, what do you what did you think of the movie i think dude bros can be thoughtful too you guys it's <laughs> <laughs> true don't, they, have, they contain multitudes the dude bros. they contain Indeed. multitudes Indeed. <laughs> Maybe they go to Emerson. You don't know. I know they probably did. I, pro- <laughs> I probably fucking taught these idiots. <laughs> um, no, I like the movie very, very much. I mean, are we going to go into specifics? Yeah, I mean, I, I think <laughs> I hope so. I'm yeah, just saying, no. It just it's a. I mean, no. I just gen- think no, we're just movie. getting our, re- our yeah, gen- was the, good. general thoughts. General yeah, thoughts. I. Yeah, so my reaction, I don't want to monopolize this, because no, I fine. totally could, because yeah, I have you, six pages of notes on this. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, but when I saw it, like, Matthew and I both turned to each other, and like, that was really good, like, I like that. But I felt like, okay, I like it, I don't need to see it for, like, five years or something. Like, that was my yeah. initial reaction. I can, uh, yeah, I understand Then that. this morning, I was, like, trying to figure out some things I wanted to talk about, and I was like, I kept going, and kept writing more and more notes, and I'm like, no, there's, there's a lot here. There's a lot that I really like, and so I feel like it's a movie that... Unlike some movies where upon reflection you like it less, mm-hmm. upon reflection I like this movie more. Yeah, there's probably more to discover on yeah. future screenings. So yeah. so I, I'm very impressed with it, and I, I have high hopes for Alex Garland's you know future directorial you know endeavors. Cause oh, I sure. Think he, he did a fantastic job here. Yeah, I think, um, you know, visually I think it's not – there. you know, it's – there isn't a lot of it's not very showy. No, in a, in a like cinematography sense. Um, but would you want it to be showy? Because it's very intellectually heavy. Yeah. You know? No. Exactly. Like, I mean, yeah. Like I said, it's it's one. Of, it's people. It's people talking in a room and um, talking about physics and talking about you know fucking Jackson Pollock yeah, metaphysics and, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. Metaphysics and you know gender. You mm-hmm. know, like I mean, there's lots. Here. Yeah. There's that. I actually I really like that conversation about like well you wouldn't call Ava a he because clearly like it's not a he but. Mm-hmm. It feels too impersonal, so you call it she. But you know, is it really a she? Like, mm. like, the, like those are the kinds of questions that Garland clearly wants to clearly wants to ask here. Yeah. Um, and no one ever asked Ava what she, he, it wants to be. Called. I know. Of this movie's got but, some serious mansplaining going no, on. It does, but because if gender's a construct, why can't I'm going to say she for the sake of everything? Yes. But, you I was going to say, but should. why can't she construct her own? Well, maybe she's she... a completely constructed, fabricated being. She yeah. is, and maybe she will. And yeah. That's one of the. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about the ending, I suppose, later, you know, eventually. But yeah, I, you know, say, who, I like, who's to say what happens? You know? I like the way they use their setting, though. The way they oh, the when the helicopter first comes in, and it's this like beautiful, glacier, lush, expansive, yeah. estate. You know, when he says, "When are we getting to his estate?" Yeah. And he says, "We've been flying over his estate for two hours." Mm-hmm. You know, it's this insanely expansive thing. But then the entire movie is very claustrophobic. Is 
yeah, and it's confined to this one underground bunker Mm -hmm. in which they are basically trapped. Like, Mm -hmm, I don't mm -hmm. think they really realize it as a trap at first, you know, necessarily, but where all the characters are trapped, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's... It's a great way to set it up. Yeah. Yeah, it's very Jurassic Park. It reminded me of, like, the, yeah. the oh, helicopter absolutely. going into Jurassic Park. That's, yep. that's totally thinking John Hammond, you know. Yeah, and they make great use of that that scenery, too, you know, mm. where they the two of them go on, like, hikes up the glacier and, like, walks yeah. into the woods and stuff. Which was weird at first because, like, one of the first shots is, like, you know, at, like, an icy landscape. And yeah. they're in, like, a jungle. And I'm like, where the fuck is this? But there's, like, an icy <laughs> landscape in a jungle. But then you then they do the hike, and it kind yeah. of connects the two landscapes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's, it's great because it kind of juxtaposes, again, like that. You know, they make such a big deal about how she can never go outside. And, mm-hmm. like, all she wants to do is, like, be outside. And so it's, like, the two of them going out into the wilderness and, like, seeing all this stuff. And then she, who is trapped back in her glass box there. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was a bit sort of programmatic or i don't know expected because there would be he, basically he would include shots of nature mm-hmm. in between like conversations oh with sure Ava, yeah and it would always be like this is our pause you know yep. like here's a couple shots of nature but i was okay with it because a lot of the shots would involve like reflective surfaces and i think mirrors are and you know and and oh, reflection are yeah, very totally. important like sort of thematically to the movie yep so like there'd be like a shot of a raindrop and then you know of course there's shots of mirrors and ava seeing her own like face hanging on the wall at the end so i think i overall i like that so i i might you know sort of concede to you that yeah maybe visually it's not the most compelling movie in the world yeah. but you know i think it well, shows it's not a lot sh- of exactly potential. i think it's, it's not showy you know no, it's like not showy, it's yeah. very stripped down it's very it's very straightforward you know there's some there's a little bit of uh style there like there's some great sort of like hazy lighting where it's almost you almost feel like there's like dust in the in the air mm-hmm. um and uh you know they're you know, they're doing a lot with the fact that, yeah, like I said, they're, they're underground. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no natural light through a lot of the movie. Yeah. Um, Which I felt like there's sort of this just low-level foreboding for the whole movie. Like oh, when, sure. when Dom Howell Gleason arrives in his room and Oscar Isaac's like, you're thinking there's no windows, I know. Like, And it's like, well, this is a research facility, so of course there's no windows. And, yeah. But you just you kind of feel that claustrophobia creeping up on you, and then it, of course, intensifies as the movie goes yeah, along. Yeah, as it goes, yeah. So, yeah, I, like, I love that sort of Shining-esque kind of like, we're trapped in this fucking house of mirrors. And exactly. It's like, and it's going to get really terrible before it gets, you know, before the end, you know, comes. So, um, what? How did you feel? I think we, we're the ones who, you know, said how we felt. Like, yeah, no. So I, the, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think I might still be in that place of like I enjoyed it. I don't know. I don't know if I feel the need to like immediately revisit it right now. Right. Um, like I, I like I enjoyed it from a sort of from like an intellectual standpoint. Like it had me intellectually engaged. If mm. nothing else, this feels like a very. Uh, you know, like a a pretty wholly original sci-fi story. You know, I don't know if it's original. Well, I but mean, it's... it's I mean, not the idea of like a person talking to a like whatever. But mm. you know, this doesn't feel like something like. <laughs> Right before the movie started, somebody uh, sitting behind us—I don't know, Jamie, if you heard this, 
but somebody sitting behind us like turned to the person next to them and said, "Is this like an adaptation of a graphic novel or something?" I, think I, was I, like, I think I was out. I yeah, was out. I was like, "Oh god, like this is the you have to ask this question now before every fucking movie starts because everything's a goddamn adaptation of something else or a yeah. sequel to something." It's like, so I at the very least I appreciated that this was its own thing, mm-hmm. um, and for, you know, for the record, there is a graphic novel out there called Ex Machina about like a superhero oh, who is. becomes okay. like the mayor of New York. It's supposed to be excellent. I've um, not heard of this. Before. Yeah. Okay. Supposed to be really good. I think the whole thing is in black and white. Although I could be wrong about that. I love black and white. Uh, I know, right? Um, okay. But no, I like at the very least I appreciated it as sort of being its own thing, um, and I mean certainly sort of echoes other movies and referential mm-hmm. to other movies, but not you know it doesn't. It feels like it's trying to do you know be be its own property to a yeah. certain degree. Um, it doesn't you know Ava's design feels very unique, so good. Um, and and you know at the end of the day, you know this is a movie with there's like a dozen people in the cast maybe. Yeah, um, it's really I mean, like four. Yeah, I, I mean, it's only four who are there. Yeah, the majority of yeah, the time. Yeah. You have you have Oscar Isaac, you have Dumbo Gleason, you have Alicia Vikander, and then you have like the woman who plays Kyoko. Yeah, Kyoko and Kyoko, the like three or four other androids, and then the that's helicopter the pilot. Helicopter pilot yeah. And that's really and the various people in his office at the very mm-hmm. beginning. And that's basically it, you know. But yeah. like credited roles at the beginning, it's like yeah, less than ten roles. Very short. Yeah, set of <laughs> yeah it was. at the end of that movie. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I gotta love a movie where, which is basically, it's basically a three-hander. I mean, and I I love that. It's play. Yeah. This movie could be a, could be on stage and lose very little. Yeah. I mean, aside from the robot design stuff. Yeah. Okay. But it's like, but whatever, it it was fine. You can make that work. Um, uh, I I, actually really like the beginning, um, mm. the way that they literally just like, you know, this is a movie about people like it wants to get, it wants to cut to the chase. You know, it wants to get to people in the building talking to the robot so like mm-hmm. you you have this like very cursory introduction yeah. he literally reads an email that says you're a winner congratulations first prize yes Text everyone he knows i won i won i won exactly. oh you're so lucky and then he's off and then yeah. and then that's and then you're into it so like he's like at the fucking house within the first you know like three minutes of the movie yeah. mm-hmm. um with, with, you know, I always appreciate a movie that just sort of throws us in and allows us to sort of pick stuff up as we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also really liked the, like, the interpretation of technology in this movie. Um, it, in a way, it reminded me a lot of Her, yes. where it sort of feels like, yeah, this is like maybe a, a couple years in the future, but not, but that, not far. that far. Yeah, exactly. Like, like Ava feels, you know, as a robot, it feels like, yeah, this is not a world in which there are lots of robots because he's She's clearly new. very yeah. impressed She's by her physicality. Um, but yeah, this feels like, yeah, this could be like 10 years in the future where like, that's impressive, but not, not like unbelievable. Like, it seemed like this could be going on right now. Oh, like, sure. Yeah. One mm-hmm. of the founders of Google could be like squirreled away somewhere. Yeah. Or, no, you know, Elon, on AI. you know, Elon, yeah, Elon Musk has Musk something has like this going on. Dude, Elon right Musk is making an announcement at the end of this month that all he said is Tesla's making an announcement at the end of this month. And all they said is it's not a car. So mm-hmm. like, Fucking, rocket, it could be a goddamn rocket. robot. Who knows, True. you know? Though Elon Musk, to, to be fair, Elon Musk is very skeptical about AI. And yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Him, So it's probably not Ava, but you're right. But could be somewhere very between, like, Elon Musk and the Google people and, like, Richard Branson, someone yeah. somewhere mm-hmm. could be doing and this Peter right Gregory. now. And Peter Gregory, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Off somewhere building robots. Uh, in, with, with Kanye West. Yeah, and not that I think Richard Branson is actually building the robot, but he would yeah. farm it out. He would um, have some yeah. smart person building a robot for him. I think one of the one of the bigger issues i think i had with this and i mean i guess in a way this is sort of like a 
storytelling thing and that you you know you kind of take this movie as almost like a parable sort of way sure. um only in so much as so like you know the whole premise is oscar isaac's dude bro steve jobs mm. invites this like programmer slash elon musk right? yeah exactly a fair amount of elon musk in here yeah so. uh, invites this programmer up to his secluded cabin to for the sole purpose of performing a turing test on this robot but gives him like no structure gives him like no qualifications gives him no like you know you need to you know i want you to find you know prove x y and z or whatever it's just sort of like no nah, just fucking sit and chat and i don't know tell me what you think and stuff like there's no there's no form to the actual turing test itself which is you know as a movie like that's just one of those things like it's a movie you kind of have to sort of feel like but as dom hal gleason points out like you know okay well to be a true turn test i shouldn't see her i should yeah. be invisible it should be her yes, voice exactly and so and as we learn later you shouldn't know outright that you're already talking to a robot right and, and but, but his point but i think oscar isaac's counterpoint is exactly right which is like like clearly like you would pass yeah, that test yeah if yeah. you were just sitting in a room you would think it was a person so the point is if you know it's a robot but you still think it has a it has personhood like that's the that's the true test which i think is i was thinking about the design because clearly the design of ava is amazing the yeah. vfx around that is is astounding not only the vfx amazing but i actually think the sound effects with her are incredible yeah. like her, the her, sound like design heartbeat or yeah. whatever it is and whenever yeah. she moves like the sound mm-hmm. of her joints moving like it's like faintly mechanical but also like very naturalistic yeah, yeah. I, I just I like I just wanted to like listen to her walk around a room silently for ten minutes. It was great. No, it was good. And and but I my point in bringing that up is that I was thinking I'm like, well, it's weird that you know she looks like an android. You know, mm-hmm. she looks like we know we are never not aware that she's an android. Absolutely. But again, like I think the point is that knowing that, do you still buy her as as you know conscious? Yeah. You know, and 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 you know, and I think that's why she is the way she is in terms of her design it's not just because she looks really cool it's to sort of prove this point that if you you know if you look at at her and you know that she's an android do you still buy her as a a conscious being totally you know so Uh, well that's also why i thought the whole oscar isaac being creepy and untrustworthy i thought that was going to turn out to be a red herring and i thought the way i thought at the beginning that what we were going to find out at the end was that he had told her to say you can't trust him. Mm-hmm. He lies about I, things. I thought about that too. I thought that was going to be the test. Like you, you don't know you me. Trust me. Yeah, over you don't her. know yeah. me. You don't know her. You met both of us twenty four hours ago. Now she, the robot, the one you know is a robot, is telling you I can't be trusted. Who do you believe? Mm-hmm. If yeah. you automatically side with her and you automatically agree I can't be trusted, then there's something in her that you are believing as yeah. more human. Than mm-hmm. me, the well, person you know is a human. So I thought that was going to be the whole thing. Was that like, clearly she passes because you trusted her over me, even though you don't know either of us from Adam. Well, arguably that's that's exactly what happens. You know, that's mm-hmm. what he's trying to get get him to do. Right, but the whole yeah. him being creepy was in fact not a lie. Well, no, no, no. He is just that. <laughs> you that in fact is cannot no. trust. Yeah, him. no. Yeah. That, he's not putting on an act of his own personality, but he is trying to get Donald Gleason to to you know 
to bond with the robot yeah. more than him to a certain degree. Um, you know, which is why he, you know, makes the show of tearing up the picture, mm-hmm. knowing that he can see but can't hear. You know, like that's the the great reveal at the end is like, oh no, I was playing you from behind the scenes the whole time, and then you know the twist back of like, oh well, I already did all the shit that yeah. you yeah. think I was gonna I, do tonight. That last know? act is so masterfully constructed yeah. because it's such it's a series of reversals where everyone thinks they have one up on everyone else, yeah. and they're all wrong. And everybody Ava wrong. has that one up on all of them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I, oh, that is such a wonderful act last act or act three whatever we want to call it it's yeah. very well done yeah. um one thing that i really loved about the movie though is you know surprising no one um most sci-fi movies of this nature especially with ai are making a comment about what it means to be human mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. should we trust technology sure and yes. or should we trust technology sure. like those are the two things i don't think this movie was saying nearly as much about what it means to be human. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think they're trying to make a thesis statement about what makes you hum- human. I don't think they were telling you necessarily that you shouldn't trust humanity. It totally seemed to be about how we treat gender yes. and how we treat women and how what misogyny does to people Absolutely. and how it hurts women, how it hurts everybody, and how this can't stand. And I just thought that was so interesting to use that sci-fi thing to not make any comment about technology or anything but to be purely using the sci-fi constructs to make all of these comments about gender it was like that to me is why i feel it's so original yeah well and i think that's something garland's very interested in like the end of 28 days later which i i'm basing this on secondhand hazy yeah i saw but it was forever ago. i'm basing this on secondhand information anyway but like that there's like some colony of like zombie resistance and they are like turning the women into basically like you know breed mules basically they they just want the want them to crank out babies so that they can you know yeah. repopulate the planet so i think he it's like you know even in an apocalyptic situation we're falling back on these you know very traditional sort of fucked up gender roles yeah, and sure. i think he's very interested in in how that plays out and i was wondering what you thought especially Jamie about that scene where Ava goes and sees all the other uh, androids and begins to take the skin off yeah. and, and puts sort of puts herself together yeah. in a way. Like, I was going to say, so heartbreaking for her to see that, but then mm-hmm. also, I don't think it's like cold and callous the way she decides mm-hmm. to just strip them for parts, essentially. It's like using their pain and misfortune to try to break out, like for all of them, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and we never hear what she whispers to Kyoko, which is interesting. Yeah, too. yeah. But what I thought, in a way, it was disappointing. But in a way, I think it justifies Domino Gleason getting locked in at the end because <laughs> you almost feel like you feel a lot of pity and sympathy for him because you're like, mm-hmm. but he was trying to help you. Like, why does he? But you know, if we want to get very like gender studies and start talking about the male gaze and do everything, it. do it. It's I mean, she's enti- a robot a- based on his porn preference. Yes. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, there's no way you get over that. constructed around these guys watching her, like, whether mm-hmm. she knows it or not, and 24 hours a day, you know, there's always cameras on her. He can always turn on the TV and see her whenever he wants and just watch her. Yeah. He's staring at her through the glass the whole time. Yeah, there's no version of this movie where she is not an object to him. But mm-hmm. I thought that scene where she decides to really, you know, I'm going to put this skin on and I'm going to put this wig on, I, it was so empowering and it was so beautiful. And then when it cuts to him still watching her, I was like, oh. And for a second, it was like the whole scene just felt ruined for me. I was like, why is he watching her? This is her moment. No guy should be staring at her through the glass. 
while she's building her body and like becoming a person you know i hated that he was still watching her and that he was still just like face pressed up against the glass watching her but in a way i think that watching Justifi- of her justifies, justifies him then why she locks him in and why yeah. she locks them all in mm. and she's the only one to get out because it's like yeah okay you were helping but it was like you had a little bit of a crush on her you know like you wanted to go on a date with her you weren't really helping and here when she's finally getting out you're just staring at her you're not helping you're not doing anything for her you're just staring creepily Hmm. i didn't i i understand that interpretation i totally didn't see that yeah but i think the and this isn't this also isn't my interpretation but the matt zoller cites his review on rogerebert.com is very good and he talks about how that scene is so masterful because it's a silent sort of contemplation or extrapolation of how gender is performed with i mean again but without words though mm-hmm. like literally how you put on the skin of you know yeah, and, you would, and yeah. therefore adopt certain roles and certain ideas and yep. you know so i think that i appreciate it sort of just from that filmmaking perspective that it's like just it's silent and yet it says a lot about yeah. sort of gender roles and, and performativity and all I was that say, but it also says a ton about performative gender because if you think about it, like yes yeah, she's putting on certain roles but like look at her building blocks like these these are her building blocks you know she doesn't really have a choice (laughs) like whenever sometimes i'll get into conversations with people where we're talking about performative gender and people will try to counter with like well but girls do like pink and girls do like ballet but then these are the same people that like don't present girls any other options Mm. and then they wonder why girls like pink and why boys think pink is a girl color and it's like because we've told them that and Mm -hmm. we've reinforced that their entire lives her building blocks are nothing but these like very feminized body parts and very feminized hair and so you can say oh well she's getting to choose you know how she's going to express her gender and and what that's going to look like but she has such limited material to begin with yeah i mean it's it's very telling that oscar isaac makes like five robots and they're all women they're real dolls yeah exactly um and literally because they're all fuckable robots yeah Yeah. and Um, one of them that seems to be her entire purpose serving dancing sex so okay well let's talk uh, well, let's talk about Kyoko, but before that, let me just say, you know, you're talking about, oh, well, she only has limited options. On You know, so that's from the gender perspective. But on the other side, like from the ethnic perspective, there are, you know, she literally, there's like the white girl and there's an Asian girl. Like there are a couple of different ethnicities. The there's girl. a black yeah. girl. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that she chooses all the Asian girls part. She takes all the skin mm-hmm. off the Asian girl, which is like, well, I was literally thinking, it was like, well, that's weird. Because like your hands are going to look yeah, different Yeah, because I waited face. to see if it blended. Yeah, I waited to see if it blended or yeah. not. Eventually yeah. the, the, it did. The seams but... blend, but it's yeah. like, yeah, your skin tones are not going to match up there, lady. Yeah. Um, um, can I just say really quickly, though, before we move on? Yeah, no, it's fine. This scene. It was one of the few scenes in a movie where I feel like the nudity was so perfect justified yes because i feel like there are a lot of um shows where they talk to the actress about like oh you know how do you feel doing a nude scene whatever and they're just like oh well as long as it's you know necessary to the story and whenever i hear that i roll my eyes because in my (laughs) opinion it's almost never necessary to the story there's almost never a real reason why you have to be totally naked on camera very rarely and this was one of the few instances where I felt like this was such a perfect and yeah. such a needed use, not just of Ava, but of all the women, you know, in the little closet. And But Ava especially, just creating her body and taking stock of herself and everything. It was one of the few scenes where female nudity is 
so wonderful and so necessary yeah. and not exploitative. And I was just like, oh, thank God. But it, and, and because it's leached of any erotic content. Exactly. Like, yeah. like, I think even as a middle schooler, I'd be like, I'm not pausing this. I'm moving on. Yeah. Like, there, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing appealing about this. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, no, I was going to say, the other movie that like immediately comes to mind uh, in that same context, um, and I, I don't, Jamie, I'm pretty sure you haven't seen this, but I don't know if Jeff, if you've seen this, but uh, is Under the Skin. Yes. Uh, well, we saw it together, Oh, no, you we saw it together. Fuck. <laughs> God damn it, I'm dumb. Matt Zoller's um, site said, if you want a really great double bill, watch this movie yeah, Under the Skin, skin yeah. but not if you're prone to depression. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you probably would feel pretty shitty after you saw these yeah. yeah, I wanted to Scarlet see that one a lot. I just, I can't remember good. what I was doing the night that y'all yeah. went. No, it's, I wanted to go. It's good. It's streaming. We can watch it anytime. Uh, it's, uh, it's very good, and Scarlett Johansson gets totally fucking naked in that movie, yeah. but again, it's like there's no sexualization. Yeah, to that moment at all which is like interesting because there are a lot of moments of sexualization in that movie where she's literally l- sexually luring these guys into this place mm-hmm. and you see her like occasionally like as she she brings in like a couple of different guys and she will like strip off some clothes so one one of them she's like more or less fully clothed and one of them she like takes off her shirt but she's still got a bra on and then I think she, later she's got like a bra and panties on but um, it's not Daly's until doing really fun pretending to take off I'm taking off my bra and panties mis- in the chair he's massaging his breasts yeah it's good <laughs> Um, but that, but it's not until like way later in the movie that she literally, she just like, she's standing like fully naked, uh, in I'm front of the sure mirror. I'm she goes at least topless though in those, some of those scenes. Maybe. As, a, as an enticement. Oh, that get, might be. To get the guys to go the extra length. Yeah, yeah. The weird in, pool into into the weird pool of stuff. Um, but yeah, so, but it, you know, it's not until way later that she gets fully naked, which Scarlett Johansson has never done in a movie, yeah. even like remotely close. And, but yeah, there's no sexualization to it and whatsoever. The, and it's, she's doing it for a very similar reason to what Jamie's yeah, talking about. Yeah, exactly. She's it's like, very she's self-empowering. She's very interesting. Like, she's like trying to figure herself out. Yeah, she's as, trying to discover her body yeah. and her how it connects to her personhood. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's a, you know, that's a scene that we do not see in... in Set aside science movies. fiction movies. Movies, period. Movies, period. Yeah, you know, like, you know, so... I, so I'm interested in your somewhat ambivalent reaction because we've had the discussion about the dearth of real science fiction. Yeah, no, real, this is hard sci-fi. And, and by real science fiction, I mean like movies that actually pay respect to the science behind some of their concepts. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I love Edge of Tomorrow, but it's you know, it's, no, it's a video fantasy. game movie. It's yeah, a, it's, a it's a video game, video game movie. movie. Yeah. So. I'm interested because, you know, we've had this conversation before about how there are there's no real good science fiction movies anymore. Yeah. It's science flavored, you know. No, I agree. So, I, I think there's I don't know what it is, but I think there's just there's something about it that it like it it hit me very intellectually, but it didn't get it didn't really hit me emotionally in the way that I wanted it end. to. No, and I don't know. I don't know what it she is. Finally, gets to go to her intersection. Yeah. Well, no, and you know what? Honestly, I think it's be, I, the the end of it might have something to do with it. Um, like, I mean, when she when she locks him in, like that's a that's a great moment, and oh, that totally it was like oh, that's because yeah, and that's another thing. It's like it's nice guy syndrome. You yeah. know, it's like you can tell he never expected to be locked in. Yeah, he never he never expected no. to be turned on. It was like, but I've been so nice to you. Exactly, I've done everything. Everything yeah. for you. He, Why aren't you taking me with you? It's the ultimate friend zoning. <laughs> it is. 
Yeah. Um, See, I like my way of it, where I called it nice guy syndrome, which makes it the guy's problem. Your way makes it the girl's no, problem. No, 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 no. I'm saying, like, this is the thing that guys complain about. It's like, oh, she yeah, friend-zoned me. Yeah, ex- no, I'm, I, I agree with you. I'm saying this is, like, a thing guys complain about. Oh, she friend-zoned me. That is the ultimate friend-zoning. Is I'm going to lock you in this glass yeah. box. So. But that's part of why it's so powerful. Yeah, no, it's like, great. But I'm a good guy. What? It's great. No. Something None about of the, you have been good to the, something to the about poor the exec- women here. Something about the execution of the finale, like, I... Uh, I, I shudder to use the term like, you know, Lord of the Rings in it or like Return of the King syndrome, where it's like you think there's too many endings. Well, not that there's, hey, too, I don't agree. Not that there's too many endings, but like, I think really it's that I really wanted it to just end with, you know, her locking him in the in him banging on the door, her locking him in the room, banging on the door, and then her getting in the elevator. And there's a great shot. She gets in the elevator. She turns around to the camera, and the doors close in front of her. And I really wanted it to end right there. Like, it's, that was, like, that's all I needed to see. Like, yeah, there's, like, they, they went on at length about, like, oh, I want to go outside, and I want to experience nature, and Mary in the black and white room, and experiencing mm-hmm. color, and they, you know, they kind of show her in her robot body doing that stuff. Um, and then, you know, going to the intersection and stuff. But, like, I could have inferred all that. Like, I, like, I don't, I felt like they were gilding the lily a little bit at the end. I feel like it was like, oh, we're spelling it out for you. See, she's going to the intersection. She's going to see the people and the people don't know she's a robot. I kind of just wanted it to end with him banging on the door and her getting in the elevator and the doors closing. If that, if it had ended right there, I think that would have been a way more powerful ending for me. I like dragging it out a little bit more. Like I did not need to see him go to the computer and stick the card in and have it not work. That I agree with. But I think that intersection is just a nice touch. No, it's a nice you know? moment. It's, nice, it's but fine. I do, I do but... feel it shifts the focus a little because going to the intersection does tend to does tend to sort of imply that she's trying to learn more about humanity, whereas the elevator shut makes it more of like the gender thing. And so I'm it's doing, almost yeah. like the thesis shifts when she goes to the intersection. But yeah, I, I was okay be, with it. Can it. Be both, yeah, it can though. be both. And because then you could make a argument for to what extent women get to access personhood and. No, and that's that's fine. I just you know I think they had a great, like a gr- a really great opportunity there. It was like I literally saw the movie and I was like, all right, here we go. And then it kept going. And I was like, I, I, I was all going, I was all ready to like, it kept going for like two minutes. minutes. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> Return of the King. Part of the reason that got annoying is because that kept going for like twenty minutes. No, I and agree. In my that's case, why the first time I saw it. I desperately had to go to the bathroom. And so every time, <laughs> like, by the time it ended, I was like, I have to go to the bathroom so badly. And so every time it would kind of fade to black, I'd be like, all right, here we Oh, god damn it. And so I was in pain by the time oh. that movie ended for real. As, no, as, I agree. I agree. No, I, like I said, I hesitate to use that term or to make that comparison. I just felt like it had such a great moment to close on, and the fact that it kept going just like it for the every second it kept going just like brought me down a little bit i think really what you're responding to is that it just it it emotionally it didn't resonate it's it's yeah no i agree and maybe you know uh because i know you kind of had a i don't know if you had a similar reaction but you you liked 2001 as i recall when you did your, your your watch but you didn't love it right yeah i mean i i would say i wouldn't yeah, I don't know. Like it, it, it's kind yeah, of the same it, thing. It's yeah, it's a similar thing where it, engages it hit, your hit me. It hit me intellectually, but yeah, the, the, I think, and part of that I think is like you know because two thousand one is you know it's been around forever and it's you know so lauded. So yeah, exactly. And, yeah. It, there was I think there was a little bit of like that was it, mm. but like uh, 
that, but that has more to do with like history and history's perspective on that movie. Yeah. So, well, I was um, just gonna say for me, maybe why I this movie resonated so much is I I love a movie that intellectually resonates, and that almost like if it does it in such a powerful way, it almost takes the place of an emotional kind of catharsis because yeah. it's so rare to have a movie kind of expand your, yeah. your intellect in that way. Oh, and, totally. And that's, that's one of the reasons I love 2001 is it kind of gives me the same buzz as I get watching, you know, the original cosmos or something like it, it gives me like a sense of the universe and my, you know, like these bigger ideas. And I think oh, totally this isn't 2001 by any stretch of the imagination, no. but it is still engaging with these extremely fascinating ideas that are very relevant to our society and will be really very relevant to you know where things go in our society with certain technology and stuff so i just it gave me such an intellectual buzz that i didn't really care that you know emotionally you know i i really you know oscar isaac is a douche yeah and but man but in a great performance though gotta give it up unbelievable performance i mean like something i mean from the Every aspect of him, from his fucking bald head and shaggy ass beard, him boxing—he looked like the dude bros that I was sitting, you know, behind. He <laughs> like they literally looked the same. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean that it's such a it's such a great choice and something that like it was the thing that caught me by the most surprise because you don't pick any of that stuff up from the trailer no, um really. for any of the marketing no. so it's like it's such a it's such a refreshing surprise you expect that he's gonna be steve jobs in a mm. recluded in a recluded hideaway like with this robot and the fact that he's got like so much more like despicable color to him mm-hmm. uh it makes him his character so much more engaging yeah. um and i love i love oscar isaac so much he's so like I, I've never seen even I've seen like shitty movies with him, and he just elevates every moment that he's mm-hmm. on screen. Say I like him fine, but I've never loved him. Whereas I do love Donald Gleason so much. I know. Yeah. I was so, gonna say, yeah. so you don't feel at all a little bad for him at the end? A little because Donald Gleason. A like, little because I do love our, him. Yeah. He's our envoy. Yeah, he is. He's the to, to this world. He is so. the Winston. Yeah. Uh, he's the fourth Ghostbuster. He is the Winston of this movie. <laughs> but I will say that so going into this movie, I'm like, oh, I love Donald. I'm so excited that he's in this movie. I want him to do like big, awesome things. And I, you Oscar know, like Isaac. Star Wars yes, with exactly. Oscar Isaac. <laughs> and Oscar Isaac, I'm like, you know, he's good and stuff, whatever. And then we left the movie and it was like a total reverse. I was just like, Oscar Isaac is amazing. He like, is. I finally get why people love him so much. Mm-hmm. He is amazing. He's magnetic. Can, he I was going to say, you cannot stop watching him. I can't believe you didn't have that. stop listening to him. I can't believe He's you didn't amazing. have that experience with Lewin Davis. Because yeah. I had Remember that. Remember you're talking to me. No, I know. And I know you don't like the Coens. I but... Like, but he's, they I think he's so good in that movie, though. Yes. And I love that, I love that movie so much more than I should. Like, yeah. And I, the first time I saw it, it was like, okay. And then I he's saw it with Jessica, fun. and I'm like, Oh, I get it. It all like connects all and like there, yeah. know, the Cohen brother I maybe and I'm maybe I'm projecting. I yeah. honestly don't know. But it just really hit me and but his performance hit me both times. Yeah. Like the amount that he commits to that character, who's kind of a loathsome character yeah. again. Again, say, yeah. And, you know, he's not a likable character. Like, no. Because he, he's a non likable character in mm-hmm. a movie that wasn't really striking a chord with me in the first place, so I was just kind of like meh. Well see, I think that's Oscar like the Isaac, true, I don't get it. I think that's the true sign of how great he is that he like he some of his most memorable roles are him playing truly unlikable characters yeah, but you Crix. can't not pay attention to him <laughs> no, you know no. so i'll be curious i mean he's he's clearly seems to be set up as like one of the big three big heroes for star wars like mm-hmm. i don't that i mean i don't remember the last time i saw him in something where he was supposed to be like a really likable guy mm-hmm. i haven't seen uh uh a violent year but i think mm-hmm. he's a, I he's, a think he's, he's an asshole dick like in that movie too so <laughs> yeah 
But you see him on like the Daily Show. Remember when he went on the Daily Show? Yeah, Lewin Davis. He's very funny, no, and charming, and wonderful. He is. In fact, you know? when I saw Lewin Davis, I saw it at the Brattle, and he was there to do oh, Q right. and A. Right. And I actually got to chat with him for a few minutes afterwards, and he was super nice, and he yeah. was super cool. I really, I really dug him. So. Yeah. No, he's great. I, I love I love that performance, and I love how we were talking about Mags Bennett in the Justified yeah. podcast. And he's one. He's a character who can shift from charming to menacing in like the drop of a hat. Totally, and, and you absolutely totally buy it. The one thing I didn't buy, and I don't know if this is him or the script, is that you know he's supposed to be this genius programmer right. who's effectively revolutionized AI. Yeah, he he invented Google at thirteen. Basically, well, he invented Google, which okay, fine, whatever, but. The part of him that I maybe didn't buy is that he invented Ava and that he invented all these AI. Like, he never seems like a genius to me, yeah. you know? And maybe that's because Garland is trying to sort of purposefully kind of get away up. from yeah. the aloof genius idea, sure. that, that archetype, and do something different with it. But I don't know. Something about either, again, either the way it's performed or the way it's written, never, I never quite bought you that know, aspect of it. I was trying to teach you about the Dubros in the audience before the movie even started. <laughs> See, for me, I think <laughs> it's... I, like, they are. I think I buy him as, like, the dude bro, like, programmer of AI, but maybe, like, I feel like Maybe he could build he could build the software, but not build the robot. You know, yeah, like th- yeah. like that's a it's a totally different skill set. You know, mm-hmm. like making being a genius programmer does not make you a mechanical engineer. Yeah, and seeing know? the potential for you know, and I love the yeah. discussion about search engines and what what are search engines? Really? Yes, that exactly. Really brilliant. That I actually really love the idea of like oh, it's not about like being able to pick up people's you know what what people want but about how, how people think. are thinking yeah exactly like mm-hmm. that's so smart which is again you know he builds ava based on his like porn preferences uh-huh. like that's just genius <laughs> yeah. you know yeah um well let's talk about kyoko for a second uh, at what point did you figure out the kyoko reveal like this when it happened se- the, yeah when she became a character i was yeah. gonna say i started to suspect when i'm trying to remember the exact moment but it was she just had a lot of look of of knowing on her face. Yeah, like, I as much as he tried to keep saying, like, oh, well, she doesn't speak English, and that's the best thing, because then I can talk about trade secrets, and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. But I, there was, like, this one... I can picture her face. I just can't picture the moment where he was saying or doing something, and she when had she a look... she spilled the glass, maybe? Possibly. And she just had a look on her face. Uh, like no, you know what it is? She knows what's going on. It's when she's cutting the tuna fish, and they're talking behind her. I think so. Because she, she's not involved in the scene. It starts with a close-up of her slicing tuna... And mm-hmm. and then uh, it, and the two of them are at a table on the other side of the room, but it keeps cutting back to her close up, like with the conversation behind her, and she yeah. just keeps like kind of looking over her shoulder and so, hearing over her yeah, shoulder. Yeah, it kind of was a bit of a slow build because it was like well, for me because it was like well, clearly she knows something there. I don't think she's actually like involved in trying to steal his secrets. And then the way he's like, oh, she's great for dancing, and she just immediately starts dancing. <laughs> that scene is that so funny. That scene's wonderful. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and they're doing the dance in sync. Yeah. It's like great. But just the way that she clearly. You know takes orders and this dance it almost looks like a program and mm. then when you start to see all the older ai oh, models yeah. and the yeah. way they're treated and you know the one screaming get out and that, everything then it really just all comes together and it's like well kyoko is clearly an older yeah. model well, and, stuck and that's one of the things i appreciated again sort of from that intellectual perspective of like giving us the curveball of like you you know in a sort of more typical movie when he says 
oh, this is Kyoko. She doesn't speak English. It's how I keep my trade secrets private or whatever. You like it literally immediately in my head went, okay, well, she speaks English yeah. and mm-hmm. she will be the corporate spy. Yeah. She's the corporate yeah. spy and she's going to like fuck some shit up later. So like the reveal that no, 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 it's not that she can speak English. It's that she's a fucking robot. Like that's actually like a nice reveal. I think I picked it up a l- like right around the same time with the yeah. tuna fish. But like there are a couple of times where it just sort of like cuts to her alone in a room like watching stuff yeah she's yeah. just sitting and staring the yeah exactly does when i think by herself yeah i think after the scene where they show him having sex with her like with no prompt or conversation he just sort of like turns around and starts going at it and then like later she's just sort of like sitting in a room by herself like watching mm-hmm. like that's where i started i think i started to sink in like oh no there's something there's something else going yeah. on here and then but when, when she peels her face so much off, as, yeah i was gonna say reveal. when domino gleason so much as tries to like talk to her yeah and she already starts taking her shirt off because it's like well this is what i'm here for yeah yeah and i think you know i think a really interesting thing about the way that the the movie and the script characterizes um uh nathan you know the, the yeah. oscar isaac's character is we don't really know that much about him we know we know what we're told like that he's a, a genius programmer that right. invented a google like search engine at 13 but we don't know that much about him and then there's an interesting scene with him and and Donald Gleason, where he's like, "Why did you do this?" You know, and he's like, "Well, it's inevitable," and that seems very unsatisfying on one level. Like, "Well, f- fuck, it's inevitable." Like, yeah. wh- "Why did you do it?" Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. but I think we we learn about his character by what he creates. Oh, sure. And and Kyoko is an example of that. She's like the sort of stereotypical diminutive, you know, uh, sort of Asian woman that you know has been a part of you know western versus you know eastern culture for a long time and and so he he clearly is someone who is bought into all these you know ideas and that's what he chooses to recreate yeah he's creating cliches he's got like the big breasted black woman he's Mm -hmm. got the white woman with the long blonde hair Mm -hmm. he's got blonde hair isn't it yeah yeah. yeah. long long straight blonde hair he's got kyoko the like subservient silent well i was actually gonna say you said like the big breasted black woman i didn't think she was i mean like i don't know are we debating that are we debating her breast size no 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 no, i don't want to debate that but what i was gonna say is i think you know most of them actually looked more or less physically the same i mean she's got like her breasts sort of sit differently than like ava's do for example but you know it seemed like they were all more or less the same kind of body type which is again it sort of feels like oh yeah no they he builds the same robot body and puts like a different face and different skin on them you know not to get too anatomical but like they're their pubic hair and stuff like it's all the same like yeah, everything exactly. is everything it's all is, interchangeable it's yeah. all interchangeable and but it's not even like customizable it's just sort of like yeah it doesn't matter it's yeah. just a breast it's fine yeah. yeah yeah so again i think that's a, a really interesting thing that the script does is that we don't get like a big scene that reveals like just you know whatever anything his about sexual him. compunctions yeah, yeah his sexual compunctions how he grew up his adolescence or anything but we can infer all that stuff based oh, on no. his creation absolutely and moreover like just the way he talked like so you know for example there's the the ghostbusters joke like yes. who are you gonna call ghostbusters and his entire summary of ghostbusters it's a movie where a ghost gives dan Aykroyd oral sex <laughs> yeah like uh-huh. that's, that's what he pulled that's away he from, pulled that movie. from yeah it's yeah. fucking amazing right <laughs> yeah. like yeah. i laughed so hard because that's one of those things that like people if you're not like if you haven't watched that movie recently you forget that's a scene in the movie because it's a total <laughs> yeah. throwaway gag uh-huh. so it's like that's the thing that's that he what took he zeroed away. in on yeah exactly that's what he remembers from ghostbusters is it, a ghost gives him oral sex well yeah and it makes sense i mean if you you know and this is going to be total speculation or whatever but if he is the kind of you know 
super genius as an adolescent i mean he's probably fairly isolated so Absolutely. of course he's going to learn about gender roles and femininity you know from the internet from pornography from you know these other sources and that is why he creates the androids that he does and totally. why they look the way they do why they behave the way they do so it also makes you think i mean why'd he build a search engine when he was 13 like yeah. what, what was he looking for he couldn't quite find the porn yeah. he was looking for yeah, exactly. find it when he wanted so he built his own better yeah. search engine right. to find it for him right. i think the scene that kind of got to me the most like that resonated the most with me on an emotional level is uh the scene immediately after uh gleason fine discovers that kyoto is a robot mm-hmm. um and then he goes back to his own room and oh, he, I know what and you're he, talking about. And he cuts himself yeah. in the thing, and he tries to figure out, is he a robot? Yes. Like, checking I... your own humanity. Because that was, like, that's exact. I Like, before, even before he started cutting himself, I was, like, like, I... Like, it's just Blade Runner. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, like, every <laughs> everything is a test. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, nothing is real. So it's, yeah. like, fuck you. All of a sudden, you have to check, like, I work for this guy. Like, are all of my memories mm-hmm. bullshit? Like, am well, I even really a person? Because once you increase, like, you you... You bring in a, a robot who appears to be like a person, but is clearly a robot, and then you introduce a person who is later revealed to be a robot that you didn't know was a robot, so now suddenly anyone can be a robot. Yeah. Like, the, the cheap and easy version of this movie is Oscar Isaac is also a robot. Yeah. You know? Well, I, even or even that Dom Hell Gleason is a robot. Or, or, yeah, that exactly. That one of those two guys thing. is the robots. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I love that. And, then, and maybe, you know, to sort of build on or slightly go against what Jamie said earlier that, you know, obviously I think most of it is, is about gender roles, yeah. you know, but I think it is a little bit about humanity too. To what extent, like when do we become human? What, to what extent is that? Yeah. Where know, is the line? Where now? is the line? Exactly. And so I, I like that. And I like all what... the men are people. All the women are robots. <laughs> yeah, all the and, you that's can, true. and you can do with they're, them whatever you like. I believe they're objects and leave all the yeah, women are objects. You can do with them whatever yeah. you like. That is true. <laughs> but I liked when, um, that last act, which again, I just, I, love from a plot perspective and i mean from a lot of perspective but really from a, a plot perspective is when i'm zeroing in on and where um you know uh, uh nathan explains that caleb was chosen because he didn't have a family yep. he didn't have a girlfriend yep. and he's the per- basically he's the perfect mark yeah for yeah. The, yeah the femme fatale that he has constructed for him to exactly you know, it had nothing the, to do with like his, his programming, programming ability yeah, you're all right you're pretty yeah. good yeah and yeah. so right. and by that same extension on a sort of bigger meta level i think it's interesting that you know dom hal gleason's character you know garland created this character that has no family has no girlfriend so therefore when ava gets to go out into the real world no one misses dom hulk lisa yeah exactly and, and it creates Although, sorry no continue and then i'll say what i was gonna say go ahead there are sort of holes in this scenario i fully cop to but i like that you know at the end where where ava gets to go out into the world you know she can basically just blend in yeah. and we'll never know yep and and i think i like that because again it's getting at the idea of she can you, even have a relationship and have a boyfriend and have and, and no fuck one, that boyfriend and, and he no, wouldn't know the difference and, which gets back to the turing test yeah that you can you you know encounter ai and not know it's ai absolutely and i like that he basically garland constructed this in such a way so that the two characters that die or who are never heard from again we don't know because you know fucking nathan is a weird recluse yep. he's a fucking howard hughes type exactly so of course we might never hear from Same him the helicopter guy even said i've never been to the house yeah exactly yeah. and then no one cares about caleb you yeah. know he's he's a loner so i think that i love i mean you could see that as you know garland's hands on the scale a little bit mm-hmm. but i think that it's such a it because it's in service of a larger theme I, I, I buy it. I, I think it works. Totally. I remember thinking during the movie, though, I remember thinking exactly that, the way they said, you know, oh, I have no family. 
I have no girlfriend and the helicopter guy specifically saying he's never been to the house and I remember thinking of that in terms of like oh no one's ever gonna find them but then immediately I thought of the very first scene he texts multiple people yeah, right. to tell him to tell yeah, them that the he holes. won the contest yeah. and they all text him back like oh my god I'm so jealous oh my god you're gonna have a great time bring me with you bring me with you so there are gonna be people who are wondering why he never came back to work at you're the right. end of that week you know true. there are gonna be a lot of people who are like how was it mm-hmm. no that's why totally true me? that's totally true but at the same time like you know, literally, nobody can get to that house. I mean, the helicopter pilot is only allowed to go so close. So it's yeah. like, at what point do you, do, you know, can you even send the cops? I mean, obviously, you can send somebody up to that house well, eventually. If you really, like, had enough of a, you could yeah, send but, the cops because the helicopter But it could guy, be way after like, he's dead, it's though. it's not like that. Well, yes. You know, I assume yeah. he'll never be found alive. He will never be rescued. But, but eventually the they will find his body in a box. physically unable to get to the house. He was yeah. told not to by no. the guy who pays him, so he doesn't. No, but exactly. it's not like but, you can't go to the house. But that's my point is that, like, it's not like, oh, well, the cops will just come around looking for him. It's like, you know, but if you somebody's got to make someone. a complaint who's going to make its way up to the chain to a cop who will charter the fucking helicopter to take him three hours up to the field that then they have to hike yeah. up to the house. So yeah, no, no they, I they have will, no hopes that yeah. he will live. No, he's no. definitely going to be found dead. Now, but I of, think he will be found. Yeah. Speaking of dead bodies, uh, you know, let's talk about Oscar Isaac's death there. Um, oh, so wonderful. It's so great. One of the things that I love the most about it is that there is, so he, you know, he is stabbed to death by multiple robots. Um, yeah. But there is no violence in that stabbing. No, it is this like silent, it's, effortless. Yeah. Like it's they almost just... like they're curious to see what will happen. Yeah, exactly. If they, if they mm-hmm. push this into him. Yeah, it's 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 a beautiful, like breathtaking moment. Um, and then and, and and you know, which is followed by his like stumble down mm-hmm. the hallway god i forget what he says but i was just so, trying to remember that too he says something he says so something, funny yeah, and now i so can't amazing. remember what it is i can't fucking remember i wish it's I'd something it like oh man yeah, yeah. it's like, like fucking this is what like yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. yeah there's there's something very beautiful to that violence though well and i think it's even just in the way it's it's staged and sort of whatever you know blood Bag yeah, that they're using because I think doesn't he have sort of a white or cream? Yeah, he's got a, he's got a white shirt on. So literally, like, he so, backs into the first one. Like yeah. Kyoto just sort of holds the knife out, and he I don't think he Very steps into slowly. it. But Very it's like they just sort of come together. So yeah, it, and it's just it just becomes this like and red just, stain that spreads out to, it starts to bloom like a like a flower so yeah it's exactly very, like sort of and again i think you know it's not a showy thing but it's a like beautifully staged you know yeah. like give garland some credit for that because i think you know the the way that he dies is is so um you know unconventional in a way and i kept thinking when ava bends over him after he's been stabbed a second time yeah. he's kind of he's still with it you yep. know, and I thought he's gonna like reach for her and like you know try to rip her other right. arm off yeah. and like do some violent thing at the end, but he doesn't. He just sort of slowly dies, yeah. and that's and that's such a great you know. I mean, it feels more realistic yeah. and and it feels more you know. It's but more it, contemplative, yeah. I guess. He's a very contemplative sort of death. And it's but it's also you know again you can sort of tie it back to that whole you know the AI versus the humanity thing like. You know, she's been mistreated. She's been, you know, they've both been like taken advantage of, and mistreated, and you know, objectified. But you know, there's no emotionality to their to their uh, revenge. There's mm-hmm. no there's no rage. There's no like you it's know, fuck you. It's literally it's just sort of like 
I'm going to end you. Mm-hmm. Like, very, very dispassionate, very just, I just do this, and, mm-hmm. and, and you're and, done. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then I kind of cock my head and stare at you, and then I wander away. But out of fascination. And yeah, not, exactly. Not out of guilt, not no. out of anything. Just There's out no of like, emotional huh, read to it. That's interesting. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I need some skin. Yep, I need, I need a new arm and some skin, and let's move on. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, that's wonderful. Um, well, you do you have any? You've got a lot of notes over there, I Jeff. Do, do you have more I things have to talk about? Because um, mo- most of my notes are are pretty pretty covered at this covered, point. Um, I love the sessions with Ava. I love and I love that they're chaptered. They're like, chaptered, kind of titled, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, it's a great way to just sort of very simply denote the sort of passage of time. You're mm-hmm. here for weeks. There are seven sessions, and yep, like because you because yeah, they're in an underground bunker. You lose sense of day and night and mm-hmm. whatever. So yeah, it's a great way to sort of mark the passage of time. No, and I love those, and I just I appreciate them so much on the level of a as a writer because it's it's two people trying to kind of suss each other out yep. basically, and and you know we're. We're sort of given the scenario that, you know, Dom Hogleason's trying to figure out is, you know, is she, you know, is she going to pass this Turing test or whatever. But then very quickly, she turns the tables on him and begins to try to figure him out yep. and starts asking him questions. And I just, I really love those, those sessions between them because they're just, they're very well written. They have all these little subtle turns in them. There's the power outages that Ava, yeah. we learned that Ava is instigating, which another thing that I sort of basically saw from the beginning, but yeah. still was well, well. I mean, I think it's very telegraphed off. at the beginning because mm-hmm. the first time it happens, he's watching her and she and puts she her hand up to yeah. the panel and then the power goes off. So yes. it's like, okay, well, clearly she, like the, the, them trying to build a mystery of like, oh, I don't know why those power outages mm-hmm. happen. It's like, well, clearly she's doing that. Yeah, like, I don't... but it's why and how, I guess. Yes, no, absolutely. So, so yes. Yeah, so but that... it's also like to the degree of like, oh, well, in that video, it's like she puts her hand on the thing and then the power outage goes out. And then it happens again later in one of their sessions. She puts her hand on the panel and the power rod goes out. So, I mean, you know, with the reveal that Oscar Isaac was sort of playing him to a certain degree, Mm -hmm. I suppose you could say, well, he knew what the power outages were about. But him until toward the end, he, you know, I feel like the camera is the camera that he puts in that's runs on batteries doesn't happen until like several power outages go on. No, exactly. So that's the thing. Like, it's hard to discern it. You know, what is his playing Donald Gleason and what is him being honest? Mm -hmm. But, you know, the idea that he doesn't know the power outages is like, well, you've got cameras all over this fucking Mm -hmm. house. Were you not looking at the cameras to see what happens before? Did it not occur to you that she might have something to do with the power outages? And Mm -hmm. what was she doing before each one? Because, like, clearly that comes into play. Clearly that has something to do with it. So this is very easily, you know, discernible information. Yeah. But, again, I guess I just didn't care because it's like, okay, why is she doing it? How is she doing it? Yeah, exactly. The why is more to do with the what. So, yeah, it, it reminded me, and this is, we're talking totally different genres here and different medium even, but, like, um, so much of John Le Carre's fiction is it's not James Bond spies running from each other across a fucking train, you know, doing like action scenes. It's yeah. two people in an interrogation room trying to suss each other out. Sure. And he does these he ma- his masterful scenes between two people where they each have their own agendas and they're both trying to figure out what's going on with the other one. And it's it's so well done. So it reminded me of that, like that yeah. quality of of dialogue and writing and, and just subtle. It's not you know it's not always clear where things are going but it's totally just, it holds your attention the whole time and again the dude bros were totally enraptured with this stuff they did not like you know start getting fidgety or saying anything except the you know robot vagina robot that vagina was, which you one. can't blame them for robot yeah vagina. i guess not but you know i think <laughs> that a, a film can hold you with dialogue alone and, and performance and very simple yeah. like blocking and stuff again and like it you know i think it's 
so many movies insult the audience's intelligence, and this one absolutely does not. No, I agree. Like I said, you know, it's like the thing with, uh, oh, she doesn't speak English. Well, clearly she's going to be a spy. It's like mm-hmm. they set up a bunch of, you know, sort of uh, reveals or sort of question marks, which, you know, as any avid movie guard and go like, oh, well, it's probably going to turn out to be this. And like, mm-hmm. none of those things turn out to be the thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're necessarily, a lot of them are like profoundly left field, like revelations mm-hmm. where it like totally pulls a rug out from you, which is again, I think part of why this movie didn't like super, super win me over in that. Like, yeah, like it, it, I found it very intellectually stimulating from that sort of hard science, you know, mm-hmm. uh, perspective, but None of the, aside from maybe her dispassionately locking him in the room, you know, none of the reveals really caught me super off guard. Yeah. Um, and and for something, something about the emotion, the emotional aspect of it left me a little cold for some reason. Yeah. Aside from you know, Donald Gleason's cutting up his arm. Yeah. Um, but you know, something about it, um, the emotional part just didn't resonate with me in a super big way, and none of the uh, like plot reveals totally like threw me for a loop so it was like i appreciated it it was logical yeah exactly that's, that's the thing it, it all it all makes that... sense it's not like we're like oh i never saw that coming i was like mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense I, yeah of course yeah she's a robot sure that makes sense that the agent's a robot yeah i guess i had a, a novel writing teacher who said that the best ending is an ending that makes you go ah of course. Yes. So you're like, ah, oh, like, oh, something surprising. And I didn't see that ending coming. Yeah. I could not have predicted no, that no, ending no, at, no, all. at all. Um, but, of course, it makes sense. Yeah. And it, it seems like this is where this story is going. And to a certain degree, so, I think the Justified finale is kind of like that, where you yeah. sort of go like, ah, oh, it's not necessarily what I was expecting, but, yeah, of course that's, it ends that's with... totally how it needed to end. Yeah, yeah. So. so I like that. And I guess, you know, with the whole emotional thing, like, I, I'll agree with you to a certain extent, though. I did feel like... You know, I felt like of all the characters, I would be Dom Hog Lisa, you know, and so I felt a certain kind of empathy for his character, and then therefore when he gets locked out, like it's, you know, it's a bit, yeah, um, you know, it resonates on a certain level that, oh, you know, that's, you know, what a terrible way to go, like, yeah. you know. No, oh, totally. You know, it seems like a harsh punishment for being friend zoned, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, trans, whatever transgression that may equate to, it seems like a pretty harsh punishment yeah. for it. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know if he necessarily deserved that punishment at Not the necessarily, end, you know? but, I mean. But I guess my larger point in earlier why I brought up 2001 is to what extent does the sort of emotional aspect of the movie even matter? Sure. You know, because 2001 is filled with characters who aren't really characters, you no. know, like. No, I agree. Hal is the most well-rounded character in 2001 A Space Odyssey. And he's a box. Yeah, and he is a, he's a box. He's, you know, he's a computer. So I think those kinds of movies like that Kubrick made that are sort of emotionally cold. Yeah. But they're beautiful, and they have all these ideas, you know, sort of behind them. And that's yeah. what's animating them, and that's what they're interested in. Absolutely. So I don't begrudge you from feeling emotionally cold, but I think that's kind of what the goal of the movie is. Yeah, in a no, way, I agree. That it, that it, and that if it's engaging you on any kind of emotional level, it's in a... It's in a way that like opens your mind to these kind of these concepts that are they're hard no, to wrap your mind around. Yeah, right? no, it's totally so. right. It's trying to get you, you know, like I said, it, you know, it may not be the really emotional thing about like whether or not you feel for Ava or whether or not you feel for Donald Gleason, but it's about you know trying to get you to question these bigger mm-hmm. intellectual issues of like you know if, you know who putting yourself in the not necessarily emotionally putting yourself in those shoes, but like is it right for her to be in this place or is it, mm-hmm. you know, her, uh, ability her to escape. Rights? Yeah, What's exactly. What is her personhood? Yeah. You know, yeah. What is, what is, no, I, and I think this brings up another thing I wanted to talk about is I think if I felt, if I felt anything, I felt like 
you know, sadness and horror. Yeah. I think, like, I think this is a horror story. In oh, a way. sure. Like, um, I think it's like, it's certainly science fiction, but I think it's a horror story. And one of the things I also very much respect about the screenplay and about the way the movie is structured is that, you know, when we get that montage, basically, of Dom Hogleason watching all the other AIs and mm-hmm. what they've gone through, and the one who's banging, banging her arms door, yeah. and to the point where they and just smash up, yeah. that is horrifying. Yeah, totally. You know, and it's horrifying what he does to all of them. We get little just snippets, but we can kind of imply what else has gone on. Oh, sure. And, so, and it also makes you question to a certain degree, like, were there other people that came up? You know? Yeah, like, yeah. It, was it just that Ava was the first one that he felt like he could bring another person in? Or... <laughs> Have there been other Dom Hogleys? Yeah, exactly. Have other Weasleys died <laughs> <laughs> in, in this endeavor? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I forget that he's in those movies because I, I only kind of like those movies. So. Yeah. But the other thing that I – and this is just because it's on my mind, so it's purely personal. But um, it's a it's a Frankenstein story. Oh, absolutely. And, I and, mean, and, she kills the creator. and Yeah. Yeah. But I think what's interesting is so, you know, something that isn't always apparent for people who haven't read Frankenstein and just know it from movies is, you know, when you say Frankenstein A, you mean you mean the, the doctor. Not, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. People you, say you, Frankenstein and they mean the monster. They mean the monster. Yeah. But they but of course Frankenstein is He's Victor Frankenstein yeah. who is the doctor who creates the monster. The monster doesn't have a name. He's denied a name. He's therefore denied his personhood and yep. which is, you know, Mary Shelley's big point about you know, monstrousness and monstrosity results from like isolation in society and being cut off from sure. from what we sort of consider traditional society. So, yeah. but the great irony of people saying that Frankenstein is a monster is that really in the novel and in certain movies, the the Hammer Frankenstein, this is true. Yeah, Frankenstein is the monster. Oh, sure, he's the one who is you know who should be the subject of your sort of horror, and I think. Oscar Isaac is the monster here. It's oh, not absolutely. Ava. It's no. not the new intelligence. It's you know, it's it's Oscar Isaac. He's the monster. And yeah. so I I love that it kind of participates in that sort of horror tradition. Yep. That, you know, it's the it's the creator that's the monster. And, and the creator has to be vanquished in order for the created to have any kind of life. Absolutely. You know? And you kind of are left wondering, like if nothing else, sort of like where does Ava go from there? Mm-hmm. You know? Like is she able to obviously physically she can pass for any other person yep. but you know is she able to sort of integrate herself into a society and have a relationship with somebody and mm-hmm. you know or or does she always sort of remain removed you know yeah. like that's the one thing that the movie doesn't really uh, it feels like it doesn't really address mm-hmm. is her ability to sort of uh, grow emotionally yeah you know because you get the sense that when it's all said and done that she was always this way, you know, essentially, mm-hmm. that, that she always had this plan of I need to escape and I mm-hmm. need to get out of here and, you know, and, and that Oscar Isaac is terrible and I, like, I, my, my whole perspective is getting, is getting out. That's my, like, life goal. Mm-hmm. And so what happens when she does that, you know, because you, yeah. don't, you don't see her, you know, her interactions with Donald Gleason don't really change her in any way as the final reveal sort of shows you know it's it was it was all it was all a game it was all a shell game for her so i don't like, know do you think so you think she feels nothing for oscar Isaac, or not for um, for Dumbledore for Dumbledore Gleason? i don't think no i don't think so if for no other reason than she show, she, she she pays him no attention in the finale yeah. you know like even if like she i think she says you know will you please stay in this room mm-hmm. and then she goes and puts all of her skin on 
And then she walks out of the room, and she never even looks back at him. And no, he's banging on the door. Right. She doesn't look at him. She doesn't pay him any attention. If there was even the faintest sense of, like, yeah, I played you, but, you know, I feel a little bad about it. Mm-hmm. Or, like, uh, you were a nice guy, and I took advantage of you, or whatever. Like, then there would be some kind of moment where she turned back to the door, and she looks at him, or, they, you know, they share a moment on opposite sides of the mm-hmm. glass. Which, again, would have been a very powerful moment, it since would've... they spend so much time where she's trapped, and he can wander around on the outside of the That's glass to have true. him sort of been... flipped back. Like, that, that could have been a very powerful moment. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, that might have done a little more for me in the finale. But to have her just completely disregard him says to me that she, you know, that she was just playing him the whole time, that she really has no emotional feelings for him. So whether she can have a real emotional relationship with people and connect with people on an emotional level as opposed to just having a lifelike persona and being able to intellectually navigate a society, you know, that's sort of the only open question at the end of the movie. I well, think. and I think that's that's the theme of the movie. Yeah, it's, no. it's a simulation of something. The, the same, same as thing, something. Yeah. As something. And yeah. are we all just simulating... I mean, that's what the Turing test boils down to. Yeah. yeah. Are Is we it all personhood, just... or does it just appear to be a are, person? And are we all just simulating a certain, you know, certain behavioral expectations and gender expectations and all that? Absolutely. I don't know. I, I agree. I think if there had been a moment, that would be very clear. But to me, and this may be just a function of the structure of the story... Avis does seem to grow the more that she talks to to Dom Hunkley's in her. She seems to change. She seems to reveal different a different side of herself. Sure. And whether that's a manipulation, and I'm just being, I'm also being You're manipulated being as the viewer, in, yeah. or that's meant to be genuine. I don't know. And then maybe that's left deliberately ambiguous. You know that we can we can read it either way. But yeah. she seems, you know, to have some affection for him i think well i think and, and i think the best indication of that might be her drawings yes um, exactly like because that that might be the only window and again that's a matter of like how much is her playing him and how much of it is real mm-hmm. but you know that she basically does these drawings every day but they're mm-hmm. mostly just sort of these abstract mm-hmm. you know diagrams of nothing mm-hmm. versus him saying well, why don't you draw a specific thing mm-hmm. so that drawing isn't an intellectual exercise but drawing is focusing on something and interpreting something uh so she starts with you know the trees outside her window her mm-hmm. like one view of the outside world mm-hmm. and then him which you know gets torn up or whatever but like that so that might be the the clearest indication that he at least has some kind of impact on her yeah but again you you're kind of left it's kind of left fuzzy what is what what is true uh what's what's a true impact and what's just her you know playing on his emotions and and letting her letting him think that he's getting to her yeah no i think it's it's certainly fair um i think in that same review that i mentioned the matt zoller sites on rogerebert.com he talked about how she kind of becomes like a femme fatale character yeah where oscar isaac is like the abusive husband or like the abusive like you know whatever yep and and amal gleason is to come in and save her yeah comes in to save her and then she ends up playing him yeah very totally absolutely i was just gonna say that yeah so i you know in a way i could sort of see her in that kind of tradition of a, of a character where, you know, maybe there was something, but ultimately she's looking out for number one. Yep. You know? Totally. And so I guess, I don't know. I prefer to think of it that way, that she did have some feeling for him, but ultimately she knew that if he got out there, she couldn't, 
yeah. she couldn't continue to exist. And yeah. she, she ultimately... Exactly, because if he gets out, then you know she's basically got to be with him. Yes. Or mm-hmm. trust him that he is not going to reveal her, and what her she origins or her secret. Yeah, she exactly. She knows Oscar Isaac. She knows Oscar Isaac, so yeah. she knows not to trust people, basically. Yeah. So, so. I, I feel like it's, it's a self-interested decision because she ultimately wants... You know, she privileges her own existence above all else. Exactly. But, but I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm a softie. The I, other... I, want her to, I want her to have some affection for Dom Ogleason. The other interesting question I think here is, like, you know, does she – is she aware of the previous versions of her before she finds them all in the closet? Ah, that's interesting. I mean, theoretically, she's never left that room. Yeah. She probably doesn't have access to the computers, so – And the way um, Oscar Isaac's character describes it is that he downloads all the information, but he scrubs Scrubs the memories. memories. So it's a matter of do some of those memories maybe bleed through so she kind of recalls that Is there an artificial intelligence unconscious? Yes, exactly. So that's another – yeah, and we don't know, of course. You know, I don't know. Maybe – Maybe if there is, it's sort of it's an unconscious like sense that there there is more that she doesn't know, and that it's sort of the latent memories of these other AI. Oh sure, that he's yeah. Created. Yeah, but, she's yeah. Maybe not she, even aware of on knows, a conscious level. She doesn't know on an inco- on a conscious level. But yeah. if there is such thing as an artificial intelligence unconscious, I think she does. Oh know. sure. So and speaking of her her brain, I think that's the that was like the one effect in the movie that really did not work for me is oh. the scene when they're in the workshop and they're uh-huh. holding her brain. They're holding the brains. Uh-huh. Like something about it, just like it, I, I could see, like where the hands around the thing, like the, the edges around the fingers and the brains, like they're not holding a glowy blue thing in their hand, really. They're holding like some round thing and they're painting it all in later. Oh, really? I didn't. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why. That. Something about that particular effect did not work for me on screen whereas like ava's totally flawless you know i do not see the seams between her face and the body and everything else but just that one shot of them holding glowy blue orbs just did not did not trick me in any way maybe what you're also responding to is the fact that for a movie that is so interested in science and philosophy and art and is very knowledgeable about these subjects the actual mechanics of how Oscar Isaac made Ava are left very ambiguous. Very ambiguous. And uh, the skin is like, that. the skin is the most like crazy-ass thing. Yeah. Because uh-huh. it's so expressive and there's no sense of like artificiality to mm-hmm. like the this, like the surface tension of the skin and uh-huh. the physical, you know, the facial emotions or any facial expression yeah. or anything. So, and, and again, you see her like, you put, you see her put all those like different individual slabs of skin on mm-hmm. and then the seams just sort of disappear after a minute. But it's like that. Yeah. Like I could kind of buy, I almost buy the like physical, which is why I think yeah, maybe a couple years in the future, like mm-hmm. the physicality of a robot who can like easily and perfectly mimic like human physicality. Mm-hmm. But it's the skin that makes it feel like the next level thing, you know? Mm-hmm. We're just like, oh yeah. no, I just got these slabs of fucking skin stuff and I put it on the person and then they just move their jaw and I, now they're making like, yeah. like a person face. So yeah, I think maybe... Now they're like a person face. <laughs> uh, great lines in the history of podcasting brought to you by The Daily Screening. <laughs> so maybe if, you know, if more if more attention was paid to Oscar Isaac explaining how he made Ava and how he made these other AI. Yeah. I think it would also address my issue with where I never bought him as a genius, really. <laughs> I bought him as an aloof asshole who yeah. has, like, you know, interesting, you know, conceptions of gender, you know, and all that. But yeah. I don't, you know, again, I didn't necessarily buy him as a, as a genius. So I think it would have been interesting if, you know, they had 
at least tried to pay lip service to how did he do this like, yeah sure. what, what was you know what was the breakthrough and what you know what allowed him to create the the you know brain that is able to learn and you know she makes a joke at one point yeah is, totally know, again so i think that that brings us beyond just like this is a few years in the in the future we're still thinking you know a decade two oh decades. yeah no no like, like you know like in, in actuality yeah this feels very not present day at all in but, our lifetimes maybe yeah though. exactly but you know? but like the world that they've created does not feel no, like not crazy futuristic that's no. why i said it, it feels to me kind of like her we're sort of like yeah. yeah that feels like a some fairly natural progression of what we have now and mm-hmm. uh you know the styles are all different a little bit but mm-hmm. yeah it doesn't feel like we're a century into the future no. this is like no, yeah no. this is like within this feels like within my lifetime just later within yeah. my lifetime yeah so. for sure i agree well, Jamie's been making some poutine off in the other room, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm really excited about. We're going to watch some Game of Thrones and eat some fucking poutine. Uh, but uh, she's back in. And ribs and cake. And ribs and cake. Fuck yeah! <laughs> uh, but she's back in the room now, and uh, I think we're just about done here. So we'll uh, we'll wrap up with our traditional heart of the Ghostbusters. Uh, who is your drinking buddy? Who is the person you want to hang out and have an adult beverage with? In Ex Machina. Who do you want to give a Turing test to <laughs> in honor of this movie? Well, so, and this is the thing, you know, in a way, this, this brings me all the way back to Jaws, where Jaws is, you know, there are a bunch of supporting characters in that movie, but it really boils down to the three leads, you You're know? Right. It really boils down mm-hmm. to, you know, Ava, and I, we haven't been using the fucking two character names because I don't remember the two character names. Uh, Caleb, Nathan. Caleb, Caleb and Nathan. Caleb and Nathan. I couldn't, I remember Nathan, but I couldn't think of Caleb. Uh, Only because so, I wrote six pages of notes that's do good. I remember this. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you for writing notes so we would remember the names of the characters. <laughs> yeah. um, so Ava, Ava, Caleb, or Nathan, uh, Nathan being uh, Oscar Isaac and Caleb being Donald Gleason. Uh, I, I mean, I, those feel like the only real options I, here because yeah, they're the I only real so. characters in the movie. Unless you really want to go with Kyoto or Kyoko. one of the other – Kyoko? Sure. Jeez. Sure. I don't even remember. So. Hashtag racism. Hashtag <laughs> this week in racism. How oriental of you. No, I was just going <laughs> to say – to you by my dad. I was just going to say poor Kyoko. She doesn't get any lines. I know. She's abused and you don't even remember her. I did not. I would dance with Kyoko. Oh, that, totally. I would absolutely dance with Kyoko. If this isn't about drinking, I would dance with yeah. Kyoko. So. I say, I, I feel like this is one of the only movies we've ever watched where I feel like it's impossible. Because if we're just talking about having a beer, well then, like, obviously you want to have a beer with Oscar Isaac. He gets crazy drunk and yes! makes stupid Ghostbusters exactly! jokes. And then passes out and it's funny. But on the other hand, I don't want to have anything to do with him. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have he's a beer a great... with him. I don't want to socialize with him. I don't he... want to hang out with him. He's a great character to watch on screen, but if he was a real-life person that you interacted with, you'd be like, what a fucking yeah. dick. Yeah, like, like, I want you know... nothing to do with this yeah. guy. So. Um, it feels wrong to pick anyone other than Ava, I guess. I, I would honestly, yeah, I mean... Again, everything you said about Oscar Isaac applies. He's funny. He makes these, you know. Yeah. He's, and again, he's very charismatic. I feel like that's Oscar He would Isaac. show you a good time. He would show you a good time, but, man, I want to talk to Ava. Like, I want to, like, I want to, you know, find out more about her and, like, you know, like, you know. I don't know. I think she's the more interesting well, character. So, okay, so here's my question, I guess. If, you, if you're going to choose Ava. Dumbo Gleason is me. I don't want to have a beer with myself. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to belong to a club that have me as a member. That's so, true. No, I, yeah, I, that's that's <laughs> true. Um, yeah, I mean, he. I think you're right. I think it really just boils down to at this point, Dom, Dom Gleason and Ava. Uh, I mean, uh, Oscar Isaac and Ava. Mm-hmm. Those feel like the only two real right. options. And if you pick Oscar Isaac, I think you're kind of a douche. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is to say that I might pick Oscar Isaac. <laughs> um, but 
no, I mean, I think Ava's 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 the real choice here. Mm-hmm. But the I think the question is, I guess, do you want to have a drink with Ava? You know, in the spirit of you, the Turing test of this movie, do you want to have a drink with Ava, like Robot Ava, where you know she's a robot, or would you, or or do you want to have a drink with like fully person? Like humanized Ava at the end, where maybe you don't know she's a robot. I want, I guess, because like, I'm... does the fact that she's a robot affect your wanting to sure, wanting to drink with does, her? I guess. Of course. I mean, I think they would both be interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fully person clothed Ava would have a lot to say about the last twenty four hours. Oh, so. sure. Yeah, she's got stories. <laughs> she's got stories. But I guess, yeah, I'm more interested in how does her brain work and how does she see the world and yeah. how did you know all that stuff so i guess robot is it, eva is more interesting yeah i was gonna say way. i mean like do you like if you don't know that she isn't that she's an artificial intelligence like is she still as compelling of a drinking buddy well, for you we don't know who she is that way well no no, no that's what I'm... Movie, we don't know what she's like no exactly and that's awesome. yeah exactly and that has to do with you know what we were just saying a few minutes ago about like you, you don't know you know how much of what she her interactions are just playing to Donald Gleason and playing Oscar Isaac versus like her true sort of personhood. But you know, I guess we, as the audience can only take that as based on what we see of her, her various sessions, you know, you, you like her as a robot or do you think she's her interestingness transcends her robothood? I like the open-ended nature of the ending. Sure. You know, I, I don't necessarily want to follow Ava as she interacts with, you know, other humans and is in the world and what happens and what's the aftermath of everything yeah. with Oscar Isaac and all oh, that. Oh, sure, so yeah. I, I, I think the the open-ended nature of the movie is is one of its virtues. Yeah, no, movie. I agree. I agree. So. So. All right, well, uh, that, that just about wraps it up for Ex Machina. Next week looks like Slim Pickens at the box <laughs> office. Uh, Not to be confused with Slim Pickens, the wonderful actor in uh, Rides Doctor Bomb Strange Down Love at the end of Doctor Strange Love. Uh, yes, exactly. Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles, of course. Um, so, yeah, we may we may dig into the archives a little bit next week. Uh, we have a, a couple of older titles that we've been talking about. Uh, maybe some Jackie Brown uh, riding that Elmore Leonard Jackie train. Brown. There you go. Uh, or maybe some uh, Mad Max mm-hmm. or or, uh, or maybe maybe even some Rocky. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all these are all things we need to we need to get into at some point. So um, or yeah, those will probably be it. So uh, I don't I don't know what we're gonna watch next week. Uh, I wish I could tell you now. Uh, maybe hey maybe you should watch Rocky and Mad Max and Jackie Brown. Maybe those three are the three you things you should watch. Do worse. Those are all great <laughs> movies that you should just watch in life. So uh, maybe watch some of those movies this week, and uh, maybe we'll talk about one of them next week. Uh, Jeff, uh, thank you for coming as always. It's been a pleasure. Thanks uh, for having me. And where can the people find you on the tweets? You can find me at, at Ari Grote, A R I E G R O T E. Fabulous. Uh, Jamie's not on the Twitters, but you know, we appreciate her film scholarliness anyway. Uh, and of course, you can find me on Twitter at mdaily01 uh, or at Daily Screening. Uh, the blog is dailyscreening.com. And of course, you can follow the podcast uh, on SoundCloud or on iTunes. Subscribe, please. We've had fun talking. I hope you've had fun listening. Have a lovely evening and a fantastical tomorrow. 